This is a CNA podcast. We've all fried eggs before, but not all of us have done it on the sidewalk. China's Weibo was awash in posts of people doing just that in early July, as record-shattering temperatures sent some scrambling inside to their air conditioners, and others outside with their eggs. Hello, and welcome to CNA Correspondent. This is the podcast where our network of correspondents shine a light on stories from wherever they are in the world, bringing you behind and beyond the headlines. On today's edition, we are in Shanghai with our correspondent Lo Min Min to talk about the quirky and quizzical ways some were beating the heat. China's financial hub of 25 million residents was issued three red alerts in a five-day stretch for the first time ever. Red, you guessed it, is the highest of China's color-coded weather warning system, a jolt for many Chinese unaccustomed to such high heat. Here's an excerpt of Minmin's report, filed on July the 11th, where she talks about just why this heat is so remarkable. Take a listen. Shanghai usually experiences long and hot summers between June and September, but since the city started taking meteorological records in 1873, this is the first time such an extreme temperature is seen so early in July. For nearly one and a half centuries, Shanghai had seen only 15 days with over 40 degrees Celsius temperature. Min Min, welcome to the show. Hello.、Uh, let's talk about two days after you filed that report, July the thirteenth. Probably a day you won't forget. That day, the mercury hit forty point nine degrees Celsius, matching the city's highest temperature on record. But this was already the ninth straight scorching day of intense heat. I'm sweating just thinking about it. First off, can you describe what that kind of heat is like for those who haven't experienced it, and what were you doing that day? I have to confess that I wasn't doing anything very exciting. Like most people, as much as I can, I tried to hold up most of the time indoors. So I was in our office doing research for upcoming stories. But the thing is, I do work quite late. So our nightly bulletin is at eight p.m. and I'm in the office until eight thirty or nine p.m. And the problem is, our air conditioning is centrally controlled and switched off by six p.m. So I'm still in the studio two hours later with no air conditioning, waiting to go live on the news, and I'm absolutely sweating. In there, my clothes are like sticking to my skin, and it's not a comfortable experience. Oh my gosh! How did you stay cool then on that day? Um. Well, just stay calm. I have a box of tissue next to the table, just <laughs> wiping off my sweat. Make sure I don't look too shiny on camera. <laughs> <laughs> that's our biggest fear on TV. That's for sure. I lived in Beijing for a few years back in 2012, and the summers there are hot, but they're nowhere near 40.9 degrees Celsius. And I remember I stayed in the office too for many hours during the day to enjoy the air conditioning in the broadcast center because I didn't want to take the train home against so many other sweaty people. So Min Min, you're based in Shanghai, and Just because one story begins doesn't mean that all other stories end. As you were covering Shanghai's heatwave, COVID nineteen was still very much present, and you had to wear a mask everywhere you went, including outside. How difficult was that? 
Yeah, it can get quite uncomfortable wearing a mask at that temperature. I feel my face is getting scratchy, the sweat is pulling just above my lips, that area. But it's really nothing compared to those COVID swab test workers who are wearing full PPE outdoors. If you haven't worn one of those hazmat suits before, it is extremely stifling. It traps your body heat in. It doesn't absorb your sweat. So there were videos circulated on social media showing workers vomiting, fainting, and a particularly memorable one that just stuck to my head. It shows a worker poking a hole into the hazmat suit near his feet, and then you see the stream of clear liquid pouring out of it and it's not water it's his sweat collected inside the hazmat suit so I can't imagine how uncomfortable it is to wear that for six to eight hours a day under 40 degrees Celsius temperature. Oh my goodness I can just picture that. When we were preparing to talk about this topic for this podcast you sent me some photos of those workers covered in head-to-toe with that personal protective gear and some of them were cooling down by laying on large blocks of ice. Who provided that ice? Uh, Tell me more about that. Yeah, I spoke to some of these workers. They told me that they received daily rations of huge blocks of ice to cool down the testing stations from the neighborhood committee. That is the lowest level of government in charge of civil affairs in Shanghai. And the red alert that you mentioned at the start of this episode, it actually requires relevant departments to take measures to prevent heat stroke, such as reducing the working hours in high temperature. And in this case, it looks like providing ice was one of the measures taken as well. Have a listen to this COVID worker showing me all the materials they are These are items to cool us down. We have herbal supplement, cooling oil, this is something for disinfection, as well as essential oil, which is for us to cool down. It's good to know that the authorities recognized how difficult it is working in these conditions and did provide some relief. The best way sometimes to cope with a challenging situation is to inject a bit of humor into it. What other creative ways did you see or hear about of people trying to cool down? I remember seeing a report about iced watermelon eating contests. Yeah, there are all sorts of pictures and videos circulating here on social media. There are people taping cold water bottles to their backs, friends rubbing ice over each other's bodies. And if you go to the parks, you may spot some older people fanning themselves with their traditional Chinese paper fans. And uh, river hiking is becoming a very popular spot in the summer. Many people are heading out to nearby rivers to hike in the water in the river canyon and then jumping off the cliffs into the natural pools. A lot of people are also taking this opportunity to travel to highland areas or to the beach for a holiday to escape the heat. And temperatures did go down following the heat wave to a mild 34, 35 degrees. I say mild with air quotes, of course. Did you find that you found that temperature a bit more comfortable given, you know, you've lived in Singapore prior to your Shanghai posting? Did your time in Singapore, which was so humid, help you cope with the heat in China? Um, Not really, to be honest. It feels just as hard. Shanghai is a mega city with lots of steel and concrete. The road is just reflecting the heat back at us. And we're also a coastal city, so it's hot and very humid, so you sweat very easily. I would love to do my part for climate change, uh, and I normally don't turn on the air conditioner back home in Singapore, but here I can't help but just blast the air conditioner on all the time. And now temperatures have receded, so things are more comfortable? 
Um, not quite. <laughs> like I said, the air conditioner is still switched on most of the time. But uh, yeah, hopefully within a few weeks, maybe it will get better. Uh, the heat wave over for now, the most extreme part of it, at least. But it's not likely to be the last heat wave that we're going to see. Tell us about how Shanghai and how its residents are preparing for more frequent heat waves and overall higher temperatures in the long term. You know, I think there is so little we can do to prepare ourselves for something like a heat wave because the weather is so much outside of our control. But at least the government has been making mitigating climate change their key priority in recent years. They have set deadlines for peaking carbon emissions and achieving carbon neutrality. The state media, which often pushes out the government narrative, has said that cities would do better to incorporate extreme weather events, including heat waves, into their emergency or disaster management planning. But whether all of these is enough to see a reversal of the impact we're seeing right now? That's a question that I can't answer, but we do know that China has issued red alerts for nearly 70 cities in the last week of July. That means temperatures were expected to reach over 40 degrees Celsius, and that was the second heat wave in the same month. Just two weeks prior to that, more than 80 cities issued red alert for high heat, and that's just about a month after China experienced floods in various parts of the country, so it really shows that China is more pro to extreme weather event, and it's a wake-up call about the extreme impact of global warming. It's very frightening that so many cities are reporting 40-plus degrees. It's uh, very, very hot. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Min Min. Great speaking with you. Great speaking with you. The TV version of CNA Correspondent airs on CNA every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. You can also catch up with them whenever you like on cna.asia. Like and subscribe to this podcast version that takes you behind the scenes with our correspondents. Our podcast team is made up of Daniel Lee, Crispina Robert, Clara Ong, and me, Teresa Tang. Thank you for listening.